This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to the radio program, Warning, with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International and Eagle Saving Nations. Today's message was recorded May 24, 2008, as Dr. Hansen had traveled to Kenya at the invitation of Vice President Kalonzo Musioka to attend the National Day of Prayer meeting for the nation's political and church leadership. This meeting was for the staff and families of World Ministries International and was conducted by Dr. E.J. Buckhart in our home fellowship. Dr. Buckhart's title is Warning Against the Pharisees in Their Hypocrisy. Now, let's begin. I was here this morning to figure what I'm going to do. And I called Steve on one of them, because uh, I know he gave me an insight in one of the scriptures. And it happens to be in Joel. And uh, I thought I was, the reason I was going to pick out Joel is because if you don't know all of our shirts, it says Joel 2 and 3. And some people say, what's Joel 2 and 3? And I don't know how many people can answer it. But anyway, uh, I went back to the other one in Luke. So we're going to be in Luke. <laughs> but how many saw pastors interview in Texas. Has anybody had a chance to see it? Yeah, we saw part of it. <laughs> okay, the reason I'm asking that it, it has pastor preaching in Kenya at that church. I happen to have it here. But if everybody's seen it, I won't show it. But if you haven't seen it, uh, I would like to show it. Because those that ran the TV camera didn't get to see the rolling. And the uh, pastor happens to be in Kenya as of right now. And this is what touched the lives of some of the people who was watching that interview. Uh, you know, we see pastors speak, but they, they've never heard anything like this. And then afterwards, we started talking about Jeff. says, man, it's a correlation here between the U.S. and Kenya. And all we have to do is substitute the words Republican, Democrat for Luhu and what the other tribe is. Yeah. So instead of using the word tribalism, you could use political party. Because remember, as we've talked about before, they had a Roman Catholic, which is uh, President Kibutu, which is just a nominal Christian, Kibaki. if you want Kabaki. Then you have Kalanzo, who's a born-again Christian, who was also running for president. And then you have the other one. Odinga. And within the Republican and Democratic Party, you have Christians. Okay? There's Christian people within, you know, both parties. But yet they'll vote along tribal lines instead of for a man of God. <laughs> and we did mention very briefly, I think on the television, that there is a born-again man running for president, which very few people even have any clue that's happening right now. 
I think Jeff made a comment, we don't read that in the newspapers. Mm-hmm. No. And we know, without God's total intervention, that that man will never win. But look what happened in Kenya. And the same thing is the parallels right now in the United States. And so there was a message that, that people can see. Why did we show that? And I think it's because of that, that America wake up. And from that point on, a whole discussion went about, got into the election. And Pastor was saying things that he probably would not and normally said concerning the candidates. And I think it was one of the first time that probably on that television program that people seeing that really exposing all three candidates as not being someone whom the United States would want to vote in in order to allow God's blessing to come upon America. And so it was, uh, it was interesting. So after we, after I'll have a little mess, but after we get done with that, remember in light of this, we need to pray for because Pastor, I still have not heard yet if he got the VIP pass, and if not, he'll be able to say a prayer for the nation of Kenya. I mean, this is one of the basic reasons he's gone over there. And of course, sometimes it's like stepping out in the boat. If you go there, the Lord will open the door. So that's what we're kind of praying that even if it takes the last minute, is that's going to be on the 31st, the last day of the month, is when that uh, National Day of Prayer is going to come. And uh, I, you know, we need to pray that the Lord will make that come about. Have you heard anything? I think Dr. Mike, I got two emails from him this morning, but I have not heard that. So, Okay. Let's go to Luke 12, verse 1 through 12. I don't think I'm going to take time to read it uh, separately. And we'll also end up with Psalms 16. So if you want to, you don't need to mark it, you can flip to and get to. But we'll end up with Psalm 16. As we lead into Luke 12, he was talking about the warning against the Pharisees in their hypocrisy. And at the end of the verse of chapter 11, it said that then the Pharisees, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth, that they may accuse him, because they did not like the fact that he was coming down on them so well. And as you well know, when someone corrects you with a very, very strong word, it doesn't feel good and it can make you angry depending how we receive it. And they were angry. And then it said, in in the meantime, when they were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people. Now, multitude is a large group. Innumerable means a very large group. So, we don't know how many people it was, but there's many people there. Insomuch that they strode one upon another. And he began to say to his disciples, first of all, I went to the El Shaddai, that's this charismatic Catholic church function on December 26th in Philippines. And it's called the El Shaddai. That's where they come together. They start about 4 o'clock and they go until all night long and all through the next afternoon. And you talk about trotting on people. If you could fall asleep standing up, you had no problem because that's how tight the group was. I mean, they were just pressed in there. So you literally, you could actually fall asleep and never fall down. But that's what I mean by trite... Together, and they came early to get there. And when I woke up in the morning to go to work at five o'clock, I could not believe 
that many people could be so tight in one space. Uh, and they did it for about 24, probably a little more than 24 hours. So anyway, I'm trying to say what we mean by trotting on them. They're really tight together. It says, And again he says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Okay, what is leaven? We just came through Passover. What's leaven? Sin. Sin. But what is it about leaven that is dangerous? Just a little bit spreads throughout a group. Just a little bit of leaven will go and destroy or make the whole loaf rise. Okay? Mm -hmm. So a little bit of sin in a group will cause a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. Those that have been in this ministry, we understand a little bit of self-pride, a little bit of sin can create a lot of problems. So we need to look at ourselves and say, am I going to be used? And by the way, anyone, I want to say, that gets used like this, it's not them. It's kind of like a homosexual. It's not the homosexual we hate. It's a sin that drives him to do what he does. And, and my personal belief is, is the enemy will use a weakness, whatever it is, of anyone, mm-hmm. and, and they can do it in this ministry, to try to cause the leaven to go through so that we cannot do what we do. So you got to understand, we have to be very cautious, each and every one of us, not to allow the enemy to use us in whether it be our pride or stubbornness or whatever it is. And I'm sure pastors here would go down and point out every one of us where we've done that. And I probably could turn around and point my finger at pastor too because he's a human being as well. So, I mean, we're all, again, that's why pastor always teaches us, guard your heart. I don't know what that means to you, but what I'm talking about is what it means to me. Guard your heart so the enemy cannot use you to do something that you would not want to do. In other words, you want the Spirit of the Lord to use you. But as long as we're in this flesh, we're in this body, I will guarantee you Amen. the enemy will try to use you. Yes. Amen. And the most time the enemy uses you is right after you've had a great victory. I, the first time I learned this, we were in Sweden, and Karen was with me, Jeannie was with us, and we had a man there. Was she wasn't with us? Oh, okay, she wasn't with us that time. But it was, what's the name of the gentleman? Gabriel. And he drove us around in his car. He was the one who went to that, where Pastor got to speak for three minutes. Okay. Gabriel was the one who was driving the car. And, uh, no, that's not what I'm thinking about. It was Jan. Jan. But anyway, he... Okay. He was driving the car. Well, anyway, he wanted to do something special for us. And Karen, and I was tired, and I'm talking about myself now. I says, and I looked at Pat and said, Why do we have to do this? This is stupid, ridiculous. And when we got to this thing, it was. But Pastor says, EJ, he said, That could have set a whole stumbling block in, that, in his relationship to the ministry if I would have really said what I wanted to say. And we let him do it. But it, it was a tool the enemy was coming. You know, try to use me to break up some of the victories we just had, and so Pastor pointed that out to me very politely and nicely. Uh, I was able to figure out that it was the enemy trying to use me, but he pointed out the difficulty there. So we have to be very, very careful, especially in this ministry, mm-hmm. that the enemy is going to try to use us. And Grandma Bubbles knows that she's not exempt. 
She understands that. <laughs> Jeannie and I know it very, very well. And, uh, and so is others. And, and the enemy will try to do it. And we have to sit back and say, uh, is this me, myself, and I that's, that's coming up? Or is it uh, the enemy that's trying to do it? Normally, it's the enemy trying to use one of our weaknesses. And uh, so we need to be clear of that. So that's 11, the hypocrisy. I looked up the dictionary. I got an old 19 dictionary from 1927. Just because it's old, it's got to be better, right? No, not because that. But anyway, it gets different <laughs> definitions, okay? I like it. You like it. Anyway, what is hypocrisy? We use the word in the ministry all the time. So I'm just going to give you a couple, and then maybe you want to add to it what hypocrisy means to you. And the definition that I read in there was, it's a false assumption of virtue and piety. A false assumption of what is true virtue and piety. Now, using the word virtue, I have to ask again. You know, do we all know what the word virtue is? I know we pray in people, let the virtue of the Lord, you know, flow through your body. Then we stop to think what we mean by that. Let the virtue of the Lord flow through your body. And we pray for healing in this particular case. But we pray that all the time. Hmm? We call it the healing virtue. We call it the healing virtue. Anybody like to take a what it means to them? This isn't this isn't a correct or an incorrect answer. It's just a what do you think it means to you? What does it mean to you? If I were to go and pray for you and say, Let the virtue of the Lord flow through your body. God is, God is perfect. He is, he is unfaithful. And when He says what He says, it does come to pass. So when He when He says that I am the God that heals you, when we believe in that, He does heal us. It's a promised word. It's, it's by virtue of His perfection that it comes through. Okay. That's good. Anybody else want to add anything? Fruits of the Spirit. Pardon? Fruits of the Spirit. Or what do you mean by that? Well, you know, love, peace, joy, goodness, contentment. Okay. Purity, it's very interesting. Purity, integrity. Okay. Righteousness. Very interesting. In the definition of the secular book, it says the virtue in use biblical is the faith, hope, and love. So you're getting away you're saying virtue is. The faith, when you let the virtue flow, I let my faith believe what God says He will do, He will do. And have the hope that He'll do what He do, and have the love and the charity that He has to do. So virtue really covers a whole bunch of things here. But basically, I think when we lay hands on someone, ask for the virtue to flow through, is that the virtue will flow in that individual, that faith, hope, will flow through that person. Another word for hypocrisy, that this is mine, is to walk not with a religious spirit. No, now, I have to say, what do I mean by a religious spirit? If I say what I think is a religious spirit, may not be what you think is a religious spirit. <laughs> so, but my definition would be, is not to walk living a religious spirit, which is a false impression. In other words, I'm trying to show somebody else, I am so holy, I am so righteous, and then I turn around and go home and beat my wife, which I could never do, but you know, uh, you know, that type of thing, you know, go down to the bar and get drunk when nobody's looking and, 
you know, and stuff like that. Outwardly, you give this sign that, oh man, I wish I could pray like that individual. The Pharisee out there in the middle of the street praying in such a beautiful prayer. Well, the prayer is one thing. The person who's praying the thing is another. A hypocrite can pray a beautiful prayer. An excellent prayer. Amen. A prayer that you need to heed to. But at the same time, that person who's praying the prayer may not be have that good relationship with the Lord. So am I that type of person? Well, that's what you look at. Mm-hmm. That's what you look at. Just trying to give an example a little bit about that one. And what's the, oh, the pretender. That's a good word. A hypocrite is a pretender. So anybody else like to add anything to the word a hypocrite? So we got a good understanding. This is for the younger people to understand what they mean. It from, comes from that word for actor, basically, and the Romans or the Greeks had in the play the word mm-hmm. he's, he's acting out, and that's where the word comes from, was actors on the stage in the play. One who wore a mask. Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah. that's good, that's good. So we got an understanding of what it is to be a hypocrite now? Mm. Any hypocrites in here? From time to time. Amen. Because otherwise, we've got, we got a religious spirit going on here. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, just, you know, it's not just in the spiritual realm that we are hypocrites. I mean, sometimes we're a hypocrite. You know, we, we give the world a face that we're a perfect parent or we're a mm-hmm. perfect pastor or we're a perfect, you know, homemaker or whatever. But we all know in our hearts that we're not. So mm-hmm. we're all... We're all in some way or another putting on some sort of a facade. So, mm-hmm. you know, think about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, it's so, not just spiritually. It's right. Just well, we, do. we are a total spirit, body, yeah. and so you know, soul. So it, it affects all of it in all aspects mm-hmm. of our lives. Now, of course, then he goes on and says, "Well, there is now. This is something you need to heed, people. There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Neither hid that shall not be known. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if we do things thinking nobody's going to see it or nobody's going to know about it, when it comes before the Lord, sorry! Mm-hmm. And not only is He going to know it, but whatever you have... Well, where is that? Uh, verse 3. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in darkness or behind someone's back, and I've been very, that's one of the, probably one of the deepest things I've got is, is I'll walk away and I'll say it just loud enough so that he can hear it. <laughs> that is one of my biggest weaknesses. <laughs> and every came past and said, I heard that. <laughs> Isn't it amazing but, you know, our ears seem to hear the things that we wish they wouldn't hear? <laughs> but therefore remember that what you spoke in darkness shall be heard in the light, which means it's going to be exposed, and that which you have spoken in the ear in the closets shall be proclaimed on the housetop. Are we ready to go and go before the Lord right now and meet Him as He starts shouting all the stuff we've said on the housetop that we have not asked for forgiveness for? But once again, if you admit that and you ask for forgiveness... Is God going to shout it from the housetops? It's under the blood of Jesus. Okay. I think that has to apply with this scripture too, but if not, in other words, what we're teaching is is that you don't think you're going to get away in the presence of God with something that you've done and you figure you're going to get by with it. It will not happen. 
And it should help guide us in our thoughts. Because once again, we get in here, it says, Do we fear man or fear God? Big step. And I say unto you, my friends, Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more they can do. Now this is the being afraid of man from making a testimony. And this is what uh, people are persecuted and martyred. You know, they're no longer afraid of those that can kill the body. They're more concerned about what is the Lord going to say. Mm-hmm. Because he can, he can do more than kill the body. But I, war- I forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him that after he hath killed, hath the power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto him, fear him. And then he goes on to say about the sparrows. You know, God knows what takes place there. He knows the hair in your head. And he knows those who don't have hair in the head. They're not numbered, but he knows those. He probably knew how many he had before. (laughs) Forgive me, Lord, but that's kind of fun. Anyway. And he says, Fear not, therefore, are not you, as a human being, created in the image of God, much more important than the sparrows. Amen. And I say unto you, Whatever you shall confess before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels in heaven. Now, who is going to confess us in heaven? Jesus. Okay. We are to confess Jesus to our fellow man. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me and God. It's not just me and Jesus. It says, Whoever shall confess me before men, it's not before God, it's not before the Holy Spirit, it's before men. And if we confess before men, then Jesus and the Holy Spirit will confess us before God. So the only way we can get our confession before the Lord is to confess it to men. So it's not just between Jesus and me. It's not just between God and me. It's between me and you and the people who are here. Follow what I'm trying to say? Maybe not make it clear. Let me put it this way. We must stand up for Jesus before man, and then Jesus will stand up before us and defend us before the Father. Amen. Mm-hmm. And I put it that way. And verse 9, But he that denies me before men, shall he deny before the angels of God. And whoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, that's Jesus, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemes against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. I made a note here on that. I don't want to get into the doctrine issue of it, but... People always ask, what does that mean to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? Let me just kind of put something in perspective and see if this kind of helps. I've written down here, don't deny the Holy Spirit. You know, there's only the Father and the Son. There is no Holy Spirit. You know, don't do that. Don't deny the Holy Spirit because it cannot be forgiven. The Holy Spirit brings us to the Son. Okay, if the Holy Spirit's the ones that brings us to Jesus, Brings us to God. If we deny the Holy Spirit, how are we ever going to get to Jesus and God? So if you deny the Holy Spirit, you're condemned. You're blessed. It is, you know, you can't be forgiven because you've got to get to Jesus to be forgiven. It's not the Holy Spirit that's going to forgive you. 
It's God the Father that's going to forgive you through Christ. Does it help to make any sense there? So if we prevent the Holy Spirit from bringing us to the Son, how can we be forgiven by Jesus and then have Jesus present us to the Father fully forgiven, covered in the blood, and washed in the white robe of righteousness? Anybody like to make some comments? To me, it helped me understand what that means. Or why, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you cannot be forgiven. The Holy Spirit is the channel that God gives us revelation of Him in the first place. Okay. And if, if we deny the Holy Spirit, we're basically saying, well, in our own way of thinking, that I'm creating God. We're denying God and the, the Spirit and the power thereof. When He's giving you the revelation of Himself, and then you go and deny Him, then you have yourself in deception. Anybody else have any comments? Okay. Yes, Jerry. I would like to kind of share a story of a result of blaspheming the Holy Spirit because it really helps us to understand it more clearly. There was an evangelist on TV that was sharing that when he was preaching at this church, during the time of preaching, the Spirit of God came on him very strongly Mm -hmm. to go to the back of the building and to speak to a young man and he just obeyed the Spirit of God and he compelled him by the Spirit of God to come to the Lord to be saved and that man began cussing and swearing at the Holy Spirit and he grabbed the girl that he was with that was a Christian they left they went to a dance hall they were dancing in the center of that room and he was killed instantly by the Spirit of God, which was a great warning to everyone that was there, and especially, I'm sure, to the young girl yeah. that compromised her life. Mm-hmm. Very true. I mean, there's some serious consequences. And I think that explains you know, the danger of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, not only for a non-Christian, but even for a Christian. Right. Both of them are dangerous. Mm-hmm. I find that very interesting, too, because um, a lot of times we nowadays do not believe that God deals with us the same way he did in the Old Testament, uh, which most of the time he doesn't because of his grace and his mercy. Mm-hmm. But there are instances like that where, you know, your time is up and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've pushed it too far, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I, I find that really interesting that, you know, mm-hmm. he... I've heard of different incidences like that happening, and it just goes to prove to you that you know God still does deal with us, like Ananias and Sapphira. You know, we just are living under a time of grace, and we've got to be very, very careful. Mm -hmm. We need to be very, very careful. That's where the awesomeness of Christ comes in. We better, we better have a holy fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that person didn't. I, I received an email recently. That somebody who had been watching the secular world it mentioned several different people in the email that uh, one of them was John Lennon where he, he said that uh, days after he had made a quote publicly to the press that the young people worship us more than Jesus and days later he was shot and killed on the streets in uh, New York City and another Brazilian 
actress or, or dancer or something like that, when she had received a reward, she just literally so much as said, I don't need Jesus, I don't need God. And she died. And there's several very well-known public figures that were that mentioned. Uh, they even mentioned one actress from Hollywood basically said, F Jesus. Mm-hmm. And died. Billy Graham went and talked to Marilyn Monroe and she says, I don't need your God. Mm-hmm. Days later. Mm-hmm. That was in the same... And I, I think what, you know, what you're saying, what, what Jean mm-hmm. was saying, a thought that was coming to me is, is that you know, if you're going to prevent the gospel from going forward, God can't take you. He hasn't done any justice. You probably committed this. You know, that's it. But I'm not going to let you destroy other people who I want to save. Yes. I mean, and like the dance person, the other girl taking her out. You know, so it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. What Jesus is saying here to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. What's your opinion then on someone like Oprah? Influencing thousands of people. I, it's very dangerous. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'd be just as much as a pastor who takes the blood out of the gospel and teaches that all men can be saved. You don't have to be through Jesus. It's it's the same. It's dangerous. Oh yeah. You know how long will God allow that to take place? You know I'm not God, so I can't judge. But what I'm saying is, you don't want to put yourself in this position. Mm-hmm. We're here. In a warning ministry to say, hey, I'm warning you, don't do this. Mm-hmm. Because it's dangerous for your personal salvation and even maybe your personal life, physical length of your life. It's dangerous. I mean, God's going to be the final judge. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially those who are um, the ability to influence nations or like, you know, Oprah. I mean, I, I mean that's like a TV evangelist. If you're out there... In, in one case, TBN is out there presenting God. That's one thing. But if he's not doing it properly and presenting the wrong God that won't get you to heaven, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. If you're a non-Christian out there doing the same thing, it's also dangerous. Mm-hmm. Either way, God is not a respecter of persons. Yes. I guess that's what that verse says. God is not a respecter of persons. Don't mess with his spirit. <laughs> Holy yes. Spirit. I'm going to comment on what Bob shared about Oprah and New Age uh, philosophy that she's taken on and it's a part of the great falling away. People are following her as an idol and leaving the foundation of their faith, the truth of the Word of God and denying Jesus as Savior, denying the power of the blood. There's great consequences leading those people to hell. I mean, I I really wept in my heart to think what Oprah has done. Um, But again, the Lord said Mm -hmm. there would be a great falling away. And we're seeing it before our eyes. Mm -hmm. Like he says, But he that denieth me before man shall deny me before the angels of God. You will not get to the throne room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, I've got here before we read 11 and 12 and go to Psalm 16. I've got a note here that says, It is the Holy Spirit, not you, not your pastor, not your husband, not your wife. It gives you the ability and strength and the words to say so as not to fear man. How do you overcome the fear of man is you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. So that Holy Spirit is a very, very vital part. And that's why he says, don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Don't deny the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that will give you the ability 
and the strengths and the words to say when you become before magistrates, before the synagogues, he says, Lloyd says, don't take any thought what you say, because at that time I'll give you the words to say. If you've been born and raised in my scripture, you'll know I'll give you through the Spirit the words to say. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to allow you to overcome the fear of man because you and in and of yourself will not be able to overcome the fear of man. It will not happen unless the Holy Spirit's operating with you. And it's that Holy Spirit that will give you the strength and ability to overcome the fear of man. It could be said that without the Holy Spirit, we cannot overcome the fear of man. But Jesus says, do not fear man, but fear God because as the Holy Spirit operates within you, you will be able to overcome the fear of man. Now, I just want to make one word of caution on this one that, that says that, for the Holy Spirit shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. If you don't know the Holy Spirit, and you've never been in the presence of God, you've never been in the Word, don't count on the fact that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit now all of a sudden says, EJ, I'm going to give you the words to say. <laughs> Just a little word of warning there. Takes relationship. I think I may be taking this out of context. I've heard people say, I don't worry about that because I have to go before that. The Lord will tell me the words to say. I think mm-hmm. it may be a little bit out of context. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that I think would be classified as a religious spirit. So we go back. Blessed are the hunger and thirsty for they shall be filled. Right. Okay, let's go to Psalm 16 and close with that. Can I just say one sure. thing? Sure. Verse number 60 says. Are not five sparrows sold for two parties? The Lord isn't just talking about the little bird sparrows that mm-hmm. you have to understand back in back in Bible times. The little boys and girls, mostly boys, that were beggars on the streets, mm-hmm. they were called sparrows. Mm-hmm. They were called sparrows, and they would like for people that wanted to uh, walk around the city at night, they would hold a little light for. They would light the pathway for the person to go from place to place and they were given a farthing for their work so you know Christ isn't just talking about about the physical birds that we think of he's talking about you know um, he's talking about the homeless and the bakers and everything and that's what he's talking about here too is not one of them forgotten before God so God is saying right there that he doesn't forget the homeless the little beggars that are on the streets or anything else here. It's like the street children in sewers in Romania. He's he's talking about everybody. So he's not just talking about the birds of the air. He is talking about his creation too. But he's also talking about, you know, so that's just giving a little bit of light there. I'm glad you did because that verse I had a hard time with it. That's why I skipped over it so fast. Thank you, Jeannie. Those little sparrows. And they live live usually in the caves and the mountains and stuff. You know, they sleep on the rocks. They, they didn't mm-hmm. have a home. But that's the way they made their, their earnings. Uh, that's the way they were able to buy bread. Mm-hmm. Was with that farthing. Now I understand it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. The Lord reveals things to His people. Hallelujah. Okay, Psalm 16. And once again, I have a little title that says, Joy in God's Presence. And so I think right now, you know, there's so much going on that we need to have a little bit of joy. And I think this is a psalm that helps us in that. It says, Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. Which remember, if you want God to preserve you, you've got to put your trust in Him. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen automatically. Okay. O my soul, Thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. 
My goodness extendeth not unto thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. The sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another god. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names unto my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. Now there's the Lord will maintain your life. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord, who hath given me counsel. My reigns also instruct me in the night seasons. Okay, I will bless the Lord, who has given me counsel. Why do you bless the Lord? Because He gives you good, righteous, just counsel. If you don't listen to the counsel of the Lord, don't expect it to be blessed, because He says it comes a cursing and a blessing. So when He's saying, I will bless the Lord, He's saying that because... He has given me good counsel. He has given me life. And my reign will also instruct me in the night seasons. If you're driving on a horse back in the olden days, in the farm days, we had a lot of stuff we went my brothers and sisters. We learned a lot about my mom and dad that I knew nothing about in our family. So it was a, it was a great time. But we're talking about, because my dad was born and raised in horse and buggies. They didn't have cars and they didn't have, have uh, well, he did later on, but early when he was a kid. They just had horse and buggies. And the nice thing about a horse, if you heard the range, you could get through the night without any problems. Because the range kept the horse, but the horse would wear his dog. You would hang on to the rain and go for the ride. As a matter of fact, you could go to sleep on the way home, and just hang on to the range and go to sleep at home. The horse would take you home. Right through the darkness. Cars don't do that. <laughs> but sometimes the horses knew the way home. Like, my brother was telling me about the horse that he had. It got to the point, he used to ride the horse to school, which is about three miles away. And the horse got to the point that it just wanted to home and he didn't want to go to school. It turned around and go back and they'd take him up the fence and brush him off and turn around and ran home. <laughs> so they're not always the, what you want. So anyway, but I have set the Lord always before me. In other words, this person who's looking for the blessings and joy of Lord says, I put the Lord always before me. So it's not that just, uh, Lord, bless me when I need you, but stay out of my life when I don't need you. You know, he's saying, hey, I put the Lord before me all the time. And that means when you're upset and you're angry and you're, you'd like to kill somebody, not physically, but you know what I mean by that? Then you need to set the Lord before you. Probably more so at that time than you do other times. <coughs> they think back to the Grandpa Hansen, you know, as he's sick and ill and pain, and that he set the Lord before him. So even though he had all the pain and he knew he was dying, he was still able to pray for other people, praise God. That's putting the Lord before you, and He's an example. And you all know someone like this too. That you know they could praise the Lord no matter what happened. And I learned something about my dad. My, my brother made the comment similar to that. Uh, that when he was in the hospital, he had his leg amputated up to here. And the doctor that did the surgery still calls and talks to my brother. He says, Elmer, that's my dad's, was just a blessing. He was always happy. He was always, you know, joyful in spite of all this. And that's the part dad I didn't get to see all the time because he's also my father. And of course, as a father, you got to raise your kids right. 
But when you get to see this about people, you get to see a little bit more about who are they really. Is Was he was a religious man? Uh, was he a man that, that loved the Lord? And it'll come out. And I think my test in life become when if something like that, and I pray it doesn't happen, comes to me, <laughs> will I be able to you know, show that same, same love? But if you spend your time with the Lord, he says here, if you spend the time with the Lord, because he is at my right hand, I will not be moved. I will not be shaken, is the word for moved. And right now we're here saying that we know that the nations are going to be shaken. In the end times, the Lord said, I will shake the nations. I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will shake the stars in heaven. And I will shake. So he says here, I have set the Lord before me. He is at my right hand. And I shall not be shaken in the times when the shaking comes. And that's what I pray for each and every one of us. That we will have that strength. Not to be shaken. And I tell you what, when those shakings come, if we're not shaken... We can be a tremendous testimony to the world who does not know the Lord to bring them in according to God's command, which is, I don't want any man to be lost. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh shall also rest in hope. Hey, my flesh, that's me now. I can have hope right now. I don't have to wait to get to heaven. That's my flesh. I can rest in the Lord now. Not just my spiritual body, but my physical body can rest in the Lord. I always think it's nice that, you know, even though we're made up of spiritual, and we say, well, spiritually, you know, this is this and this and this, but God wants our physical to be well too. He wants our flesh to be well. You know, Amen. He does. He wants us to be well. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to seek corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. How many want the path? God be showing the path. Amen. He will show it to you, but you know you're going to have to follow it. And of course, you know it's he'll have to guide you back on a path from time to time, right? Amen. And eventually, you'll start getting on it, so you know it's it doesn't really go off the path. I think my father taught me not to go off the path because you know it pays to stay straight, and uh, that's that's a good parent. That God wants that for us too. So. He will show you the path of life, and I put in parentheses, but you must walk the path straight. Don't wander off of it. And in the presence is a fullness of joy at the right hand are the pleasures for the Lord. Amen. Anybody like to make a comment? This is a fellowship. This is what I like about it. I've got to get you people more involved in it. <laughs> and I've had I've been I've been very blessed today uh, having your your people share. Remember, I want everybody to feel free to share. There is no right, there is no wrong answers, but there may be correction that we help you out and get you in the right way. So God, Jesus had to deal with his disciples, and he even took a one of them and says, "Get thou behind me, Satan." Oh, that's some pretty tough words. Mm, one of his best disciples that he ever had. Okay. <laughs> So, there's nothing wrong with that. So We may stand out there very strong and brave and think we're doing right, but sometimes the Lord says, eh, you don't think the way I do. <laughs> well, there's a classic example. He wasn't talking to the disciples, he was talking to the demon. It was caused the problem. Mm-hmm. He separated them. Very good. Very good. Okay, let's uh, prepare today before we close. I think we need to pray for our team. 
that's in Kenya. Uh, that's Pastor uh, Peggy and Dr. Mike. And remember, uh, May 31st is the day of the National Day of Prayer that he will receive the VIP pass. But more than that, he will actually be asked to pray for the nation of Kenya. And I think, in my heart, I feel it's so important that Dr. Hansen, the prophetic man who's there, has that ability and anointing to make that prayer. It's the prayer that could change the nation. I believe that much in my heart. Not because of pastor, but because he is God's anointed at the present time of that nation. And it says his prayer is going to be so important, but he's got to have the time to do it. So we really need to keep pastor in prayer to now, through Friday especially, that he will be able to have the opportunity and the Lord will give him the exact words to pray which will change the people and the nation and the leadership. Yeah, I feel it's a turning point. It's almost like a last last word. It could be. be. Because they're down to the last part of the prophecy. So, And along with that, we need to pray for Vice President Colanzo who will be a very important key, I think, in that nation as well. So... We want to pray especially for that. Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen has written a book titled The Science of Judgment. God is predictable. There is a scientific pattern for the rise and fall of nations throughout history. We need to understand the laws or the rules of design regarding prophecy and judgment. When it comes to the laws of judgment and prophecy, denominational or personal belief systems have nothing to do with the reality or the certainty of the rule of judgment. Dr. Hansen's objective is to warn leaders of nations of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the plagues or judgments that are coming upon these peoples and nations that reject Jesus Christ as Savior according to the Scriptures. Dr. Ronald E. Cottle, founder and president of Christian Life School of Theology, states that this book is a must-read for Christians and other leaders in the United States and in other nations. It is clear, powerful, and well-reasoned. We all owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Jonathan Hansen for the years that have gone into the research and writing of The Science of Judgment. This book has more than 300 pages, divided up in five sections. Part 1, The Science of Judgment, has chapters titled such as The Laws Regarding Prophecy and Judgment, Patterns of Apostasy, Purpose of Chastisement, Standards for Justice and Mercy, God Forgives When People Repent, God Holds Nations Responsible for What Leaders Do, Parental Responsibility, The Feasts of the Lord, Solomon's Transgressions and Their Consequences, Righteous Kings versus Evil Kings, Example of King Jehoshaphat, Ungodly Alliances, God is Predictable, God Holds People Accountable, Man Can Turn Into an Intelligent Beast to Do Evil. Section 2, The Deception of the Theory of Evolution, has chapters titled as Problems with the Theory of Evolution, Evolution and Racism, Darwin's Hatred of Christianity and Its Fruit. Section 3, Why Must There Be Judgment, has titles such as The Fall of America and Her Destruction, Cult Christianity, Radical Liberal Politics. Section 4, Kings, Dictators, and Presidents, with the following chapters listed as People Choose Their Nation's Leaders, Qualifications for Godly Leadership, Romans 13, Delegated Authority, Satan is in Charge of This World, Not Jesus, If laws violate conscience, we must disobey. Finally, part five, so what must we do? These chapters are listed as, we are in a cultural war, our responsibility to a hostile government, the Christian's science of judgment, 
With turmoil ever increasing throughout the nations, as Bible prophecy is coming to life right before our very eyes, one must read The Science of Judgment to have a clear understanding of these events and the reasons why. Call 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248, that is 360-629-5248, and request your copy of The Science of Judgment for a donation of $35 or more, plus shipping and handling. Thank you, and Shalom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.